And I'm a visionary, meaning I can see things and I have ideas, but I'm also really good at like executing. And they talk in the book Rocket Fuel about every business has a visionary and an integrator. The visionary is typically like a founder of the company or the CEO, and they're really good at coming up with new ideas and they have all kinds of different things they want to potentially do. And they're always thinking six months, a year, three years ahead. And they're really well connected and they have big relationships. But the integrator is the one that can actually like take the best ideas and make them happen or figure out, okay, that's a great idea. But right now we need to stay focused on this. So I'm really good at both. I'm really good at seeing the big picture, but taking advantage of the small picture and figuring out what needs to be done in what orders. Welcome to the Legacy Roadmap Podcast your ultimate guide for creating a lasting legacy as an entrepreneur. Whether you're an ambitious entrepreneur or a seasoned business owner, our podcast offers insightful conversations with successful entrepreneurs and experts who have navigated the path of legacy creation. We explore topics that matter to you, personal responsibility, financial growth, leadership, and succession planning. Our goal? To equip you with practical insights and strategies that help you transition from simply running your business to building a legacy. Join us each week as we delve into purposeful discussions aimed at positively impacting future generations. Your journey towards leaving a lasting legacy starts right here, right now. Let's dive in. Does your business serve homeowners? If so, you need to know about HOA.com, the number one referral network for professionals who serve homeowners. And we're looking for quality contractors and home service pros that we can recommend and refer to homeowners in your area. Not only will you get promoted on the HOA.com website, you'll get business from other certified pros and premier pros in your market. These people serve homeowners every day, so we help you build referral partnerships that keep referrals coming to your business for years to come. Go to HOA.com slash pro now and get started. Are you an entrepreneur or business owner? If so, you need to know about the Achieve Systems Business Building Membership. We are one of the best referral-based communities that wants to refer you. We help generate you thousands of leads per year. We also provide you an incredible mentorship program that has won many awards. We don't stop there. We have 60 plus opportunities to take your business to the next level, like authoring and publishing books and many, many more. Go to AchieveSystemsPro.com and get started today. Do you want to make more money in your business? Most business owners focus on building revenue. That's not enough. Building profits is what feeds your family, and almost no business owner understands how to build profit without building revenue. I can show you with near-perfect accuracy the exact business growth strategies that will generate the most revenue for your business in the shortest amount of time, focused on building profit. Learn more at bizlife.coach. Our guest today is a growth partner for entrepreneurs looking to build $10 million plus businesses. He helps companies simplify focus and get the business owner out of the day-to-day. Casey Cavill founded, built, bought, or invested in dozens of small businesses over the last two decades. He built a $40 million portfolio from a $9,000 investment. He's experienced burnout due to the business growing and relying heavily on himself, and then he learned how to create businesses that didn't depend on him to run the day-to-day. When he exited the day-to-day, the business's performance improved and allowed him to focus on owning, not running his business. 
Now he helps entrepreneurs and business owners build, scale, and break away from the day-to-day operations of their businesses. He's implemented his proven process in over 100 businesses and allowed these owners to be removed from the daily grind and focus on what matters most. Casey Cavill and Robert talk about the power of being a guy who can fix things when you recognize the elements of the visionary and the implementer. You can supercharge your business. There's real growth in making small improvements over time. Casey shares how hard it was to let go, but when he did, the results were tremendous. Well, Casey, thanks so much for jumping on the show today. I'm looking forward to to learning and exploring and just taking this journey together. You bet, Robert. Excited to be here. So typically we're starting every show now talking about legacy. What What does legacy mean to you? Yeah. So I, I think at the end of the day, this is a little bit cliche, but I think it's a big deal. You've probably heard this at the, you know, before, but it's like, Hey, what do you want people to say about you when you're no longer here? Like, what does that look like? And I don't mean no longer here, like dead, but like five <laughs> years from now, like the people that I'm impacting today, I might not be working with them or associating with them, you know, five years from this point, but like, what are they going to say about me? Right. And I think it's important because I think we all have different people and different phases of life that we do life with people. We work with people, we consult with people and then our time's over. And it's like, at the end of the day, what do you want those people to say about you? What is the impact you want to make on somebody, whether you work with them for a day, a week, a month, a year, Like, what is that thing that when they hear your name, they're feeling or they're thinking about? And for me, I want it to be hopefully positive, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, I'd like it to be more than positive, right? I mean, I'd like it to be, you know, hey, that that interaction made a difference in my life. (laughs) Sure, absolutely. And obviously at the minimum, right? I want to be able to smile at the at the grocery store clerk and say their name and and, you know, ask them about their kids. And that that's the minimum. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the base level but but i agree with you right what's that interaction have to be to to make somebody feel like you've left them better than when you found them yeah that's <laughs> so, it so yeah so so obviously entrepreneurship is is our priority business owners and and you've got a pretty great journey i believe that's that's given you some some great tools given you some great experience and of course i think given you some great connections would you share whatever level of that you want to <laughs> how yeah. you got started and, and what's what's led you to where you are? Yeah, I've kind of always been a guy that knows how to fix things. And my very first, you know, business, I I bought it and I said, all right, if I could fix this or change this or improve that, maybe the business makes a little bit more money. And if it makes a little bit more money, you know, maybe I can grow the value of the company. And it was really that simple. I like to see things and see how can it be better than what it currently is. And I'm a visionary, meaning I can see things and I have ideas, but I'm also really good at like executing. And they talk in the book Rocket Fuel about every business has a visionary and an integrator. The visionary is typically like a founder of the company or the CEO, and they're really good at coming up with new ideas and they have all kinds of different things they want to potentially do. And they're always thinking six months, a year, three years ahead. And they're really well connected and they have big relationships, but the integrator is the one that can actually like take the best ideas and make them happen or figure out, okay, that's a great idea, but right now we need to stay focused on this. So I'm really good at both. I'm really good at seeing the big picture, but taking advantage of the small picture and figuring out what needs to be done in what order. So I just got into business and I found things that were already running that I can make some small improvements on and small improvements done over time, 
you know, turned out to be some pretty, pretty big results and had some good wins and learned a lot about business and kind of learned probably the hard way. I mean, I had, you know, every business, thankfully, I think I was like seven for my first seven and buying a business and turning around and exiting. And then I had a couple of learning lessons and <laughs> I learned that, um, be careful on betting on others and investing in others because, you know, sometimes people might not want it as bad as you, or they might not be, you know, as humble as you. Um, and they might not really want help. They might say they want help, but they might not really want it. And I, I learned that, Hey, I want to make sure that I surround myself with humble, hungry, and smart people, um, that really are willing to take a look at themselves and figure out how can they be better? How can they improve? Realize that if you're experiencing problems in this world, you're maybe part of the problem, right? Rather than pointing fingers at somebody else, realize your piece of it and then figure out ways to work well together as a team and align on values and vision and mission, and then build really cool things that make an impact. And like you said earlier, Robert, leave a legacy. Well, I like that. So have you created the humble, hungry and smart test yet? <laughs> yeah. So gosh, what is it? A Patrick Lencioni book. I think he talks about humble, hungry, and smart. I got to make sure I reference <laughs> that because I didn't come up with hungry, humble, and smart. Um, but really it's trying to figure out, are they humble, hungry, and smart? Because if they're not, it's going to be really hard to work with people that aren't hungry. If they don't want it bad, it's not going to be fun to work with them because they're not going to work as hard. If they're not smart, they're not going to be fun to work with because they might work really hard, but they're not doing the right things in the right order. And they're really just working hard, but not smart. And if they're not humble, it's like they're the smartest person in the room and they're going to be really hard to work with. So I think that's really important. And yeah, Lencioni comes up with that concept and I'm like, let's just keep it simple. Make sure one, I'm humble. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to realize I don't have all the right answers. I'm hungry. I want it bad. And I'm smart, meaning I'm willing to not just like, do stuff and make sure the stuff I'm doing is really the most important thing. Well, in that learning piece, right? That, that com combination of humble, hungry, smart, all really applies to, I'm willing to figure it out. There's a, yeah. there's a figure it out kind of mentality that, that crosses all three of those. And I think the other piece you mentioned in the previous was the values and having alignment. And I think, I think so many companies get so caught up in the skills and we, yeah. we hire somebody based on this skill set and they can do this job. And then there's not an alignment with the values or the values of, I mean, the values of the founder are one thing, but the values that the company wants to, to epitomize, right? The values that the company wants to build their culture around. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, I think more companies need to recognize that we need to hire on values, even entrepreneurs, right? When you're, oh, yeah. you're hiring a VA, you're hiring uh, support, you're out outsourcing value alignment will allow those other areas <laughs> to, to come together, I think. And so how, how do you help somebody know if, if they're in, in alignment on the, on the values level? Yeah. I mean, I just had a client, uh, they're a baseball consulting company. So they're actually like a coaching company. They work with high school and college athletes that are baseball players and they, uh, are looking for some investment to help grow their business. And they had a former major league baseball player that wanted to invest and partner. Hmm. And I said, great, you could take this check, but are they humble, hungry, and smart? Because if they're not, they might not be a fun investor. 
And at the end of the day, this person wasn't humble. Like they came in, they were a former major leaguer. They thought they had all the right answers. They wanted to change the business model. They wanted to give their input, which we didn't really need that. Like we're willing to tweak and improvise and challenge what we're currently doing, but we had a really good service that was adding a ton of value. We just wanted to you know, scale it up and they kind of didn't love what we were doing. And we wanted people that loved what we were doing because we, they had tons of testimonials. And I said, be careful taking a dollar from that type of person because they're going to come in here and they're not going to be happy. No matter how well you do, they're not going to be happy because if you're not doing things the way they want them done, like they're not ultimately going to be a great partner. Um, and they decided not to take that capital and they ended up finding another investor that was humble that realized, wow, you guys are doing some really cool things. Now I do have a couple ideas for you that might make it even better, but they were more like a teammate, right? Than an adversary. So I thought that's really cool. And how do you figure out if they're the right value fit? One, you got to have values to start Robert, because I think <laughs> a lot of companies, a lot of people, I mean, I was talking to my sister the other day, she's in her twenties. And she's trying to, you know, she's dating some guys. And I said, I said, Katie, I go, what are you looking for in somebody? And she, she didn't really even know. And I worked her through how to come up with core values because <laughs> when she has values, then she knows who she's looking for. And I think well, and if you're, yeah, go ahead. I just could say, and, and the reality is most of us are operating under some value system and whether we've written it down or acknowledged it, there's a value system happening when we're dating and when we're we're having conversations and when we're not aware of it, it it's actually a hindrance. Mm. <laughs> it's holding us back from seeing the right things in the right people. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do know their values, but like they're not written down <laughs> and then they're not like consistently followed. So, you know, going back to my sister, it, it's whether she's a CEO or she's trying to find a spouse one day, it's like, you really got to know who you are, what's important to you, write it down. And then whether you're recruiting friends or business partners or significant others, you got to say, does that person believe and align with those values? And if they don't, it's going to be a tough relationship because if you're looking for somebody in your company that's hungry and they, they're growth minded, they want to do big things and you recruit somebody that's not hungry, they're just okay being okay and good's good enough kind of thing. And they're good putting in a nine to five and leave, leave on time, get there on time rather than get there early and leave late, which there's organizations where you get there at nine and you leave at five and you go home and that's perfectly fine. But if you're an organization that wants hungry people, you got to recruit hungry people. And there's a process that you need to go through to figure it out in the interviewing process of, are they a core value fit? But I first think you got to figure out what's important to you as a company, an organization, an entrepreneur, what's important for the people you want to recruit and work with and partner with and make sure everybody you bring on follows those, set, uh, those same set of values and principles. What I think, I think the one place where entrepreneurs really avoid the values conversation is with clients, right? We put our values out there on our website and we say, this is who we are. But when it comes to clients, we'd rather, you know, like you talked about an investor who's showed up with money and the temptation there to take the money and end up with end up with the challenges that come with an un, you know unaligned situation. But it's even it, it happens with the clients as well. If you don't have a value alignment with your clients, you've got clients that are a pain in the rump. And 
And a lot of times you can't even put your finger on it, right? Why is this client bugging me so much? Why is this not working? Why is this? And, and it's the same kind of thing, right? As a coach, especially, I, I want clients that are humble, hungry, and smart for their own business, right? And and willing to do what it takes to, to, to get that growth and that my role is coming alongside them to to feed them and, and energize them and, and show them the shortcuts and, you know, not, not necessarily shortcuts, but accelerators, right? The ways to get to that, that spot thereafter faster, because we can focus when we do it together, but without alignment, it's like, <laughs> like Rams, two Rams, yeah. button heads. And, and I think entrepreneurs are afraid to come up with that ideal client avatar and narrow it down to, to, to somebody that's in value alignment, but share with us the value of that when you've experienced it and, and you've seen it in the businesses that you've worked with. You're right. Cause you know, if you're trying to grow a business, you want to make sure you know who your perfect client is both value set, who they are as a company or what they believe in or what's important to them. And also demographically speaking, geographically speaking, psychographically speaking, because there's two different types of ideal clients. There gotta be a value fit, but then they got to be the right type of business, right type of client. And I see a lot of businesses, they say yes to serving everybody. But what that really means is they're just serving everybody. But it's like, who's their real client? Who's their customer? And going back, I had a bunch of baseball academies that I owned, Robert, back in the day. And we had five locations throughout the Atlanta area. And in our very first location, we were a baseball and softball academy. So it's like, well, who's your customer? A baseball and softball player. Well, that could be anybody from the age of five to 75 because there's 70 and over baseball leagues in Atlanta, which is crazy to believe it or not. But then same thing with softball, five to slow pitch softball. But inside of that, you got to figure out who's really your ideal client. And it took us about a year to figure out, well, who is it? Is it the 20 year old college player or is it the 30 year old professional major league baseball player? And although that was fun saying our client is Jason Hayward or the Cubs or the Braves, which they worked out at our facility, it ended up being the five to 12 year old baseball player. Why? It's because they were the most fun to serve. We could add the most value to them. And then ultimately they were the ones that paid us the most amount of money. We made the most amount of profit. And well, the lifetime, the lifetime value, right? I mean, if you get a kid when he's seven, <laughs> And yep. he stays with you until he's 18. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a pretty great little program you've got going. <laughs> yeah. And it was a whole lot more fun to serve that type of age. And we could add value to them because we were unique. And that's what we did. We just mastered that niche. Nobody was really going after that niche and nobody did it really well. Everybody was going after everybody else and not that niche. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs, it's like, hey, I'm in marketing. Well, who are you marketing to? Oh, I'm in sales or I'm in what? Like, who's your real? client and customer, because once you know that, then you're in good shape. And the majority of clients that I work with, um, and I'm mostly helping an entrepreneur, an owner of a five to 50 person company kind of grow and scale and build their company. And a lot of them don't really know who their ideal customer is. And if you've heard of Robert, have you heard of Pareto's principle, the 80, 20 concept? Of course. Use it what do you all know? Time. What do you know of that concept? Well, that 80% of the results are coming from 20% of the work. That's it. And I assume so, the same thing in your clients, right? <laughs> 20, 80% of your revenue is coming from 20% of your clients. That's it. And if you look at that, you can then figure out, wait, if 80% of my revenue is 
coming from 20% of my clients, that means that 80% of my clients are generating me very little revenue. So you just get rid of them and get more of the good ones because yeah. those 20% that are giving you 80%, they're probably more fun to work with. They're probably getting better results. And the first thing you got to do is you got to cut, you got to stop serving customers that take your time and energy and frustrate you and start spending more time on the ones that work with you. And I had to do that for my business, Robert. I had to figure out who do I help? And I kind of dropped a note earlier, a five to 50 person company. It's an owner of a business that's growth minded, that wants to get out of the day to day. They're running their business. They're not owning it. And then if that type of person comes my way, I can help you. But I can't really help a CEO of a hundred person company that's you know looking to go public. That's not my thing because I'm not an expert at that. But what I am an expert at is a one to five million dollar company where the business owner wants to grow, but they're just stuck. They need more time. They're frustrated by their employees. They don't know how to get out of the grind. And it had to take me some time to figure out, well, who is my ideal avatar? And then how do I actually help them? So if entrepreneurs are listening to this, I bet you're probably wasting time, spending time serving clients that you probably shouldn't. And I bet if you free yourselves up and find somebody else to serve those clients, that will free you up more time to spend time getting the ideal client. We'll be right back after this short break. Do you need an increase in revenue? We help business owners find 100K in 90 days and create a roadmap for implementation. There's no pressure, just a chance to get some assistance and clarity. Scheduling is easy. Simply visit ownitcall.com and select a time that works for you. It's time for you to focus on doubling the 20% that creates 80% of your revenue. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Yeah, it's so powerful. And recognizing that take 20% and you add another 20% of the same people, you get 160% of the results. So that's it. That's, that's a that's a that's a fun thing to help business owners recognize that look, if you if you narrow the niche, you expand the potential for growth. And they're, you know, depending on what stage of growth they're in, <laughs> it can be pretty scary. Sure. To let no to let clients go, but if you create a joint venture partnership with somebody that can handle those clients, yep, it becomes magical because they can send you the clients that fill your twenty, and you'll be filling their twenty for another consult or you know yep. another type of company. So yep. it can be really powerful if you take advantage of the information you're starting to gather and learn about your clients. But I just think so many entrepreneurs, because Robert, you're right. But so many people are so busy just doing stuff. They don't take time to think, myself included. Like I have my own business. I have my own problems of who is my ideal client? Who is my ideal customer? And I had to stop and block time on my calendar each week just to think. I just put an hour on my calendar and I put think. And I asked myself, what's working in my business and what's not working? And what do I need to challenge? What am I currently doing now that maybe I need to stop doing? Or what am I doing that's working that I need to do more of? And I just think so many people in life, it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or you're in sales or whatever. If you're a school teacher, it's like, what do you do that actually helps who you're trying to help? 
what are you doing? That's a waste of time. And if you can start spending your time doing the things that move the needle, you're in good shape, but everybody's just so busy from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed doing things, they don't take time to think. And if you stop and think about it, you'll be in a lot better shape. Well, that's where you can apply the Pareto principle too, is, is what are the results from those, those, how you're spending your time, right. Mm -hmm. And figure out what is that, what is that 20% of my time that's, that's producing the majority of my results the better part and the more enjoyable part for guys like you and I is helping entrepreneurs. What is it that you love? What is it that you're the expert at? What is it that, that the CEO, right? You, you want to start acting like a CEO and what is the thing that only you can do mm-hmm. that you can't outsource? You can't hire, you can't figure out that piece and then get rid of all the rest. Right. <laughs> Cause that's what, that's what CEO means. Right. I, <laughs> I don't have to do some of this other stuff, but there, there is a, there is a, a list of stuff that only the CEO can do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's his company has to, right? Her company, they have to do those, those things. But so many of them are caught up in doing all the stuff around that. (laughs) Keeping the company going. And I like to ask the question, well, why are they doing those things? And a lot of time it comes down to, they're just scared to let go because nobody's going to do it as good as them. Mm. Is that true? Probably. Maybe. Probably. Depends on what it is, I guess. You know, if the CEO is doing bookkeeping, I bet somebody else can probably do it as good as you, right? Unless you're like a really great bookkeeper. Sales, maybe not. Is anybody going to sell your business as good as you, the founder of the company? Maybe not. But can they do it an eight out of 10, a nine out of 10? Like sometimes that's good enough because at the end of the day, you go and get that time back and go spend it doing more things, doing more partnerships, selling bigger deals, coming up with new ideas, shaking hands, do whatever you have to do. And I think that was tough for me as a business owner. We had a $2 million business at the time and it was going great, but I was doing a lot of the work and I could not get out of my way, Robert, because nobody could sell like I could sell. Somebody would call in and there's no way that somebody could outsell me on the, it was, it was not possible because one, it was my business. I cared about it the most. And number two, that was my gift. That's what my superpower was getting information from people, getting them excited about something, getting them to say yes. And then when they say yes and they buy the thing, making sure it's an awesome experience. But my goodness, I couldn't do that for everybody, but I thought I had to because nobody could do it as good as I did. Mm-hmm. Now, I eventually started detailing and documenting what I did and how I did it and the philosophy and created sales manuals and processes and then taught it to somebody else. But even then, they can only do it an eight out of 10. Yeah, but an eight, eight out of 10... It- you know, you're going to hire a couple guys at eight out of 10 to the, the great thing about sales is it's the one performance based yep. industry. Right. And so being able to hire, they, they've got skin in the game. The majority of salespeople working commission have got skin in the game. So they're going to love your business at the level you love it because they're going to want to make that, make that sale. Yeah. And so finding those, mm-hmm. finding those kind of people and being able to outsource to them is, is super powerful and it can free you up to become the leader instead of the salesman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So powerful. And that you said it two, eight out of tens is a 16 out of 10 <laughs> versus a 10 out of 10. And, 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 and whether it's sales or it's operations or it's whatever, you know, uh, if you can find other people that can do it nearly as good as you and be okay with that and put some processes in place that make sure they follow the system and have some good data points that are telling you how well they're doing. And I find a lot of leaders aren't willing to let go of their business or their organization because they don't really know how it's doing when they're not there. So you've got to have good KPIs and scorecards and metrics that are showing you what's happening when you're not there. 
And that's where I first start. It's like, how do I know stuff's getting done? Well, what's your system on how stuff gets done? What's your system on how people report their numbers? Because if you were uh, uh, an owner of a sports team, let's say you own the Chicago Cubs. Well, you kind of know who your best players are by looking at the stat sheet. You kind of know who the best players are by talking to the fans in the stands and saying, who's your favorite player? right? You know, you can feel who your good players are by what people are saying. And you know who your good players are by who's producing results. And I think a lot of business owners don't know because they don't ask customers. They don't ask their coworkers or other employees, Hey, who's doing a really good job here and why? And then they don't have good data that's telling them who's doing a good job. So if you start there, then I think it could potentially allow you to let go of the reins a little bit. Well, and and then even for that owner, a lot of times they don't want to deal with the numbers because they're not doing KPIs on themselves. <laughs> so they're not yeah. tracking the leads. They're not tracking the closes. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're certainly not tracking. They're tracking the bank, right? They're, they're, as long as there's money in the bank, we're doing okay. And I think that's probably okay for a lot of businesses that oh, no, just it obviously wanna... is because it's working for a bunch of them. Yeah. And I think that's where it's like, what do you really want? You know, do you want a million dollar or $2 million dollar, business that's kind of, I wouldn't even call it a business. I would just call it a self-employment ship where without you, it's not really a business because without you, it goes downhill. And I had businesses like that, but do you want to scale it up and one day replace yourself? You know, we're about to um, embark on a new journey as a family. We're about to have two more kids in the family. My wife's pregnant with twins. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to get all the stuff done now that I have been doing, knowing that my time is about to double my demands at home is about to double, go from two to four. And I'm like, systems, processes, great people. Systems, processes, great people that I'm tying into the results that if the business wins, they win. And making sure I give ultimate clarity to everybody. And I get a good report that's telling me who's doing a great job. And if they do a great job, I reward them. I incentivize them. So everybody's going to have that at some point in their life. You're not going to be able to work as hard as you currently are in your business. You're going to have something health-wise come up somebody in your family is, you're going to get older, your energy level is going to drop. This just is what it is. So build your business now where it doesn't rely on you to be the, the, the end all be all for your company. Well, and the bigger thing is if they want to sell their business and so many business owners think their business is, Hey, I'm making half a million a year. My business is worth half a million or 750,000, but it's all up here. Yeah. It's in their head. And they haven't documented the systems. They haven't documented the processes and all they're going to be able to sell is a list of names and the value just drops like a brick because mm -hmm. the business is worthless without that owner. But yeah. an owner that can take the time to document the processes, document the systems and empower other people that increases the value of their business exponentially <laughs> once they get it out of their head and onto, onto paper and into processes that their employees can follow. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, we just helped a marketing agency do that exact same thing. The owner was the face and the brand and he had another company he was running at the same time and he wanted to pivot and realize that he could probably only do one company at a time really well. And I said, well, what are you going to do with this one? He goes, I'm going to sell it. Well, they're going to want you to stay on for a period of time because you are the, you're the man behind the stuff that's happening. And he goes, well, how do we 
sell the business. I go, well, we got to remove you from the business. So you're right, Robert. We took, and I said, all right, write down everything you do and how you do it. And let's put in systems and processes. Let's hire people to do the jobs you're currently doing. So you don't have to do it. And guess what he ended up doing with the business, Robert? He probably kept it. He kept it <laughs> because, because now he, it wasn't a burden. He wanted to sell the business because it took too much of his time. But when we helped him realize that, hey, it doesn't have to take as much time as it's currently taking. He's like, well, now I just want to hang on to it because it's kind of giving me some checks. And all I got to do is spend a couple hours a week because we got him a really all-star team that he could delegate to, that he could trust, that he was willing to share profits. And that's the thing. I think I, I don't want to say all or the majority because it's definitely not all and it's probably not the majority but a lot of business owners are not willing to open up the checkbook and share profits with others the good ones are the great ones they already thought how they were going to do that before they even started the business mm. and working with another business right now the gentleman owns i think it's 70 percent of the company the leadership team owns you know 20 and then investors own 10 and he's a visionary and he's moved on to two other businesses that he's doing at the same time. And I'm in a short-term engagement and I'm like, Hey, if you really want this thing to go, you know, owning 30% of this thing versus 70, when you have that extra 40% given to other people that are vested and all in, like that's where you want to be. And I don't know if he's going to get there, honestly, we'll see, <laughs> but it's the only answer because that business is not going to get anywhere without people that are all in invested. And when they see somebody that's not all in owning that much of a company, right, it's going to be really hard for them to get on board. So I love visionaries and CEOs that are willing to share with the people that make it happen. Well, yeah, it gives them a stake in the game and then gives them the benefit of their hard work for the results. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think performance-based pay is necessary across our culture because our culture has lost <laughs> its identity yeah. in in hourly wages. <laughs> so we need to get back to, you know, paying people for the, the results that they're getting across the board. And it's hard in some industries, it's hard in, in some places, but I think the more creative we can be in figuring that out and helping entrepreneurs and these, you know, creative types really dig into it gets better, better results. Yeah, that that's why I do well. So, you know, my target market's a five to fifty person company, typically one to five million dollars in revenue, growth minded, open minded. I do like working with athletes, Robert, or at least people that played sports or at least like sports, because it's very easy. The best players on the team make the most amount of money. Yeah. That produce the most amount of value for the organization. So it's getting everybody to think of that. Now, you know. It depends on department and return and all of that. And there's a strategy behind how to set up, you know, uh, results-based compensation and all of that kind of stuff. But it's like, you want to make more? Show me. Yeah. These are your KPIs. This is what's important. What value are you going to add to the company? What did your department bring in? And share it with the team because I like that. And also, I like companies that are willing to talk like to each other just like they would in a locker room. Hey, great job, Robert. You had a great <laughs> week. Great game. This is what you did. Robert, man, you've been slumping over the last week. What's going on? Talk to me. You're not, you're not producing. Is there something going on at home at work? Like, how do I help? Like, that's what good teammates do, but they're not willing. They're willing to call each other out when they're, when they see each other, not doing good. They're willing to take hard feedback when they're not doing good, but they care about each other. And they're trying to figure out like what's happening when it's not working, but then also let's celebrate it when they are doing a great job. Yeah. Well, in, 
our culture's just gotten so caught up and everybody's supposed to be equal, right? Sure. And yet in sports teams, we don't we see it in, in movie productions, you see it, right? The key players get get the most, you know, reward for the what they produce. And and I think more companies will will be the, the greatest companies, like you said, will be the ones that are doing that same thing and rewarding their key players that are performing at the highest levels mm-hmm. because because that's that's what happens to get results. Yeah, sure thing. Well, and of course the sports teams are all stats, right? Baseball tracks everything. Like they count the number of steps he takes from the dugout to the batting, <laughs> the pitcher's mound to the, yeah. and ESPN's going to put it on the screen at least twice. Like, yeah. oh, he only uses 14 steps to get from the dugout to the <laughs> home plate. <laughs> he steps yeah. over the first baseline every time, or he steps on the first baseline every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but the truth is, I mean, and, and Moneyball proved it, right? Oakland was able to prove it by taking just stats and and getting players based completely on just their stats and, and got themselves, you know, a really successful team for a period of time. So yeah. stats really are important. KPIs really do matter. And helping business owners, I mean, that's really all I do. That's, that's yeah. all I do is help business owners decide which numbers are the most important and then let's focus on them and, and concentrate on them for a little while. <laughs> And sure. great stuff starts to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Casey, I know your faith plays a big role in your life. And how, how does your faith impact your business? I think it allows me to just stay more positive. Um, somebody asked me something the other day. Um, Do you have any good news? <laughs> and I said, I always have good news because even bad news is good news in my mind. Um. So my faith and my perspective is there's this thing called life on earth and there's this thing called eternity in heaven with God, who um, Jesus is the son of God. So if you think about that, whether you believe in it or not, like imagine if there was eternal life, like forever life, like you never die, your soul never dies. It would be hard to be negative for that long, right? Because it's like, for me, like this time on earth. It's like the first inning of a nine inning or a 9,000 inning baseball game (laughs) or a nine trillion inning baseball game. Like, what are you going to get mad about if your pitcher gave up four runs and your first baseman had a ground ball go through his legs? Like who cares? You got 9 trillion more innings to go. And in life, all I knew for years, Robert was this. And it felt like every day was the end all be all. And when Mm. good things would happen, I was really high and really happy. And when bad things happened, like it was the end of the day, the end of the world. But for me in my, I guess, mid twenties, I read the book of John in the Bible. And trust me, I was not much of a Bible person or a church person at all, but I came to a point in my life where I just wondered, is there more than this? And I think a lot of people ask that or think that like, is there more than this? but they don't really know what to do with it. Like Tom Brady, um, there's a 60 minute clip of him. This was 15, 20 years ago. He's like, I think it was, he just won his second or third Super Bowl. He's like, he literally said, it just feels like there's gotta be more than this. And then I think after his third, he found the supermodel wife, right? So maybe that was going to clinch his thirst. And then he started the family and then he had multiple businesses, became a best, almost a billionaire. But you know, I think he probably still today wonders, is there more? And in my perspective, there is more. And that's where in the book of John, I just learned about the life of Jesus. And whether you want to be a Christian person or you're not, or you're a person of faith, like Jesus existed. He was a real human that walked the earth. And 
I just learned about his story and I said, well, if this is true, what he says, it changed everything. So for me, it's, it's hard being a person of faith because faith takes faith, right? You don't really see it, but I just have experienced things that are unexplainable. And I know God exists and I know, um, the, the impact that Jesus has had in my life. And yeah, I'd encourage anybody just, if you're curious, read the Bible, read the book of John, reach out to me. If you have questions, if you're curious or suspicious, because I was definitely curious and suspicious as well. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic way to put it. And for most that, that might be listening, Jesus was a numbers guy and he loved business. And so he, uh, he also rewarded those who did the most work. Yeah. <laughs> And go. heaven is also performance-based. And so the work we do on earth is going to be earning us different slots in heaven. And so I think uh, a lot of people would do well to to read scripture and and, uh, and and have an understanding of of how God honors work and creativity. And, and uh, especially Jesus said, I came to give them life and give it to them abundantly. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that was a thing, like there's all kinds of different re religions out there. And the one that's different with Christianity versus some of the others is in other religions, you have to do to get something. Mm. And what's cool in Christianity is actually Jesus is the one that did. He sacrificed himself on the cross so we could get something. And that's where I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have to do anything to get this eternal life. And that's where it really clicked for me. And I'm like, you see a lot of these other religions and they're tired, they're burnt out. And I want to put Christianity in that as well, because a lot of Christians think they have to do, do, do to get and earn favor of God and earn his love. Because this world tells us you have to do something to get something. But Jesus actually flipped it and said, I've already done it. And basically what he said, Robert, is we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. We have been we have lied. We have cheated. We have stole. We have thought ba bad thoughts, whatever it is. And Jesus is like, you can't save yourself, but he paid the price. And that's where I just, and this is a quick conversation to something that's really deep that maybe we touch on again, but <laughs> in the book of John, it just like, it just blew my mind of like, wait, it makes sense why I'm unfulfilled and I'm not happy or I am happy one day, but the next day I'm not, or I'm super anxious or kind of depressed because I didn't have hope. And when I realized like Jesus's hope, like that's when it really clicked for me. Love that. Well, and the fact that we can just follow God's, you know, obviously God was the first creator, first entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And, and that idea of God's created human beings to honor him, to follow him. If we just take that on ourselves and try to leave the world a better place than we found it, leave relationships better than we found it, leave that, that that's, love and that that's what gives us hope and so thank you so much for sharing your journey and in, in, sure. in your faith and and how it impacts uh your life and business because i think we are called to love we are called to take better care of each other and and really serving other human beings through adding value is the ultimate level of entrepreneurship and that's why we get rewarded for for helping people yeah. <laughs> people loving and, and helping people and of course there's plenty of evil and hate in the world. We know that. And, and so the more we can push back against it with love, the better off we're all going to be. So appreciate you, Casey. Yeah, no doubt, Robert. Well, good deal. Well, thanks for taking the time today. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate the conversation and just, yeah, just can't wait till the next conversation. Cause obviously 
baseball's warming up now. So, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we have so much in common through our faith and baseball and entrepreneurship, Robert. So this has been great, and really appreciate me uh, appreciate you bringing me on the show. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and this was this was wonderful. Thank you for tuning into this episode, brought to you by the power of intentional decisions that lead to massive action. These aren't just buzzwords, they're qualities that can help you take control of your life and build a successful six or seven figure business. To support you on this journey, we're offering one of our most popular books, Fish Out Leads In, 52 Fresh Ideas for Lead Generation. You can download it free at enjoybizlife.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please show us some love by liking, subscribing, and leaving a review. But most importantly, share it with someone who needs to hear it. In our next episode, Jill Lublin and Robert talk about elevating business owners to be the expert in their industry. There are ways to get publicity and show your expertise online that will attract your ideal clients. Jill teaches a virtual publicity boot camp and consults and speaks all over the world. She's spoken on many stages with luminaries such as Tony Robbins. Jill also leads a conscious kindness community. Visit publicitycrashcourse.com slash free gift 